0: The Emerald Couch Podcast is a weekly conversation with Dr. LaKeitha Poole, a licensed professional counselor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, about all things mental health and personal growth. The Emerald Couch Podcast is the go-to pop-site dialogue for self-help, good laughs, and real talk. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for seeking support from a licensed mental health professional and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information about counseling and therapeutic services, or for assistance in connecting with a therapist in your area, visit our website at www.smalltalkcounseling.com. Let's start the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Emerald Couch This is your host, Dr. the Poole And I'm so excited to have you back for another episode Thank you guys so much for continuing to listen and to support Um, I see you all rating us on iTunes and listening on SoundCloud, which is amazing. Um, Make sure you keep interacting with us there, but also feel free to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook as well, um, which is another way to interact with us between the show. And if you're just interested in learning more about mental health in general, or if you're in the Baton Rouge area and seeking services, feel free to check out our website at www.smalltalkcounseling.com. So we are back for episode 12 I'm super excited that we've made it this far Um, The month of July actually kicks off Um, National Minority Mental Health Month Which is pretty exciting that this falls at this time So I think my topic for this week Will also fit very well into this month's awareness theme And so I'm super excited that I have a guest with me today Which is actually, we were just talking about Is my first in-house guest Who's actually sitting with me on the Emerald Couch Which is, I mean, pretty awesome Um, So, I want to introduce my friend, uh, Mr. Jarrett Williams, to the Emerald Couch audience. Um, Jarrett serves currently as the manager of foundations and communication for Teach for America in South Louisiana. Um, and he's also an LSU alum, which is where we met and where our paths cross. And so we've kind of haven't been able to get rid of each other ever since <laughs> um which is a good thing so that's why he's here today so our topic today is gonna be around men masculinity and mental health um and so i want to welcome jared to the emerald couch and have us get started jared you want to talk to the the people
1: yeah um i am really excited to be here so as Lakitha said lsu was our like meeting place uh Lakeitha was with me throughout like all of undergrad, which, hoochah. <laughs>
0: we could have another episode about that.
1: But um, <laughs> but so that was where that was where we started, and, and I just stayed in in the Baton Rouge area, um, still working at at Teach for America, where. We primarily seek to end educational inequity within Baton Rouge so that every child that's here has access to an excellent education, mostly because I firmly believe that education is like at the root of most of our country's issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is really exciting. Um, I also, I work out a lot. He does. I um, am a photographer. I write. uh, So I I do multiple things to keep my, my introverted self busy. But, but yeah, so I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, which is maybe how we bonded, right? So even though like you were in undergrad and I was working at LSU, but we both are introverts and um, there is something probably internal about those of us who are introverts and we yes. just randomly somehow find each other <laughs> um, and never let go because we're very particular about who we latch on to. Mm-hmm. Um, so my hope is that in this conversation, obviously you'll get to know a little bit more about Share it, but also just around this topic in general, um, talking about men, masculinity, mental health. Um, there's not a lot of research being done out there. There's actually more, I think through social media now, topics around it mm-hmm. because it's just become critical to make, um, to bring awareness to it because mm-hmm. of the fact that there's nothing so our hope today is maybe for the guys that are listening or even for the women who are listening as well, for you to be able to understand um, how this fits into your everyday lives, whether that's for your fathers, your sons, co-workers, friends, um, but if you're a guy out there listening for yourself and being able to recognize that mental health isn't this thing that you have to run from, mm-hmm. um, and we've talked about on the show here that mental health isn't Necessarily equated to mental illness. And right. so we want to keep kind of pushing that idea so that we can talk about this in a way that lets people know that there are ways to maintain mental health and stability mm-hmm. and not necessarily even go towards mental illness. And so by us bringing this up today, hopefully it's a good time to start that conversation. So on the show, um, maybe maybe one of our first episodes, earlier episodes, I talked a lot about some of the stats around just mental health in general. Um, but I want to give a little bit more detail, um, particularly for our U.S. male population, because I think I, I kept it pretty pretty broad, um, and I may have done like what that looks like for folks of color. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really want to talk about men, because I think that's kind of our focus. We didn't utilize the month of June like we should have, which was Men's Health Month. <laughs> um, to talk about this so I want to make sure we kind of play catch up and it's early in July so we're gonna mash it all together so I've shared before that one in five adults experience a mental health problem on an annual basis so if you and five of your friends yeah. are hanging out one of you more than likely is going to have some sort of mental health concern or crisis that comes up yeah. and so what we know about the US population um, is that there are 151,781,326 um, people are males um, in the U.S. Of those, 6 million males are affected by a depression each year, which often goes undiagnosed because people um, are more than likely to report things like, oh, I'm just tired or, oh, I'm kind of mm-hmm. cranky or... Uh, I don't feel like working out anymore. Like I lose interest in my hobbies rather than actually saying, no, I feel sad or I feel lost. And um, so when you think of that, like 6 million men, that's, that's a lot of people um, to really be able to, to think about how vast of an issue that can be. Anxiety is actually a bit worse. Um, There's approximately 19.1 million American adults between the ages of 18 to 51 that have some sort of anxiety disorder and of that three million men have panic disorder or some other type of phobia which could include you know ptsd Mm -hmm. um fear of spiders which i am afraid of um or any sort of pest of any form um and so recognizing yes (laughs) so being able to realize that like these, we're not talking about small numbers here. We're talking about millions of people experiencing mental health disorder. So I will give you guys a few more stats and then I want Jared from his perspective to offer up his thoughts around mental health so he can support um, a little bit. So another area, and I think this actually came up during an Ask Dr. LP question um, on a previous episode, was around bipolar disorder. Um, So about 2.3 million folks are affected by bipolar disorder with there being about an equal amount of men and women um, who develop that illness. But what's interesting is the age of onset for men is right between 16 to 25. So this is when you're like going through a bunch of mental developmental changes. You're going through physical changes. You're going through adolescence. You're maybe in college. right. Right. So like. It is a time where you're already under a lot of stress and pressure. And then to add a mental health concern like bipolar disorder, which, again, can be very confusing because that basically combines what I just gave you guys as descriptors for anxiety and depression, but sort of vacillating between the two. um, That can be extremely um, exhausting for somebody, but also pretty scary. Um, On the other side, and I think this is probably where people place themselves. We talked about mental health being on a continuum, but people sort of place themselves always on the side of like deeper concerns and illness. And when we start talking about like strong psychoses or schizophrenia, we definitely have um about 90% I think of people who are diagnosed with schizophrenia by age 30 or men. Mm-hmm. 90%. So that's almost yeah. everybody. And so, being able to realize that, you know, of the 3.5 million people that have it, 90%, those, you know, 30 and under, um, are men. And so, recognizing again that we have, and we're going to get into this, I'm sure, a little bit, but there's already these norms that are set up by society of what manhood and masculinity is supposed to look like. And then you add a mental health concern into it or just some sort of difference that makes you not seem like everybody else. And, you know, people will already start to isolate you. And so imagine the isolation that people sort of do to themselves once they learn they maybe have some very intense mental health issue. Mm -hmm. And then the last two, which I think people often overlook, again, because of societal norms, um, which I think are often incorrect. Yes. Um, But also there's just not as much information out there would be eating disorders and suicide. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, On the eating disorder sides, males actually count for about 10% of patients with anorexia and bulimia or bulimia. Um, And there's estimated about 35% of those have some sort of like binge eating disorder. So that's the opposite where you just, you eat a ton. The Mm -hmm. other two that I mentioned are more so you're restricting um, behaviors. And so men, of course, with eating disorders are less likely to seek treatment or help than women because of, again, the stigma. Um, Society tells them like men can't have eating disorders, Mm -hmm. um, particularly because in most cases people frame eating disorders as more of the anorexia or bulimia, the restrictive behaviors. But a lot of times, like binge eating um, comes into play. I feel like I binge eat sometimes. Um, So being able to think about that. And then on the suicide rate, the highest rates in the U.S. are actually found in Caucasian men over the age of 85, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, And obviously, we all probably have to do more research on what happens at that particular time in that age group um but it's been on the rise since the early 2000s and is the seventh leading cause of death among males in general so accounts for about 2.2% of male deaths Um, In a year and so the risk factors for that type of thing includes you know isolation substance unemployment Mm -hmm. military service Um, genetic predisposition is sometimes part of that with like mood disorders that can be passed down Um, and of course like trauma and so being able to realize that like things like suicide people tend to, to blame. Um, The person and and I talked about this on a past episode, too, when we talked about Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain Mm -hmm. is, you know, that often gets left out of the conversation and and thinking again. Oh, men wouldn't do that. Like they're too strong or they're too, you know, and that that's just that's dumb, actually. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And false. Um, And so, again, I think when we start thinking about this conversation, which is what I kind of want to lead us into. Is we really want men to start thinking differently about seeking treatment for mental health. Um, They're just less likely to do it due to, you know, a reluctance to just talk. Um, Social norms, like we've already talked about today. Um, And then just kind of downplaying symptoms. Because, again, we've been taught that, like, masculinity looks a certain way. And by admitting to sadness or stress or worry um, or eating, you know, those sort of things, we shouldn't really be talking about. So... I really want us to just kind of dive into all of that. I know that was a lot of stats for you guys, but I think it gives us a great way to open this conversation. So, Jared, you just heard all those stats too. What are your just initial thoughts about, like, men, mental health, and the concerns that, like, we just see that are out there? And that can be men in general, but particularly, like, men of color because we're celebrating Minority Mental Health Month as well. So what do you think?
1: I think, like... one i think my natural tendency is to i take like like the smaller thing that's happening and then i like bring it up to the system mm-hmm. um and the way that i like you're, you're, you 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 mention societal norms you mention uh stigma i think the way that we currently are conditioned to live and socialize with each other drives so much mm-hmm. of not just like Mental health challenges, but also like a lack of willingness to like seek treatment or seek help for it. Yeah. Um, the the stats that you gave are like, I mean that's that's a lot of, it's a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. And I think maybe because I work in in education, and we will Mm -hmm. see like similar things where we like whittle things down to like, oh, it's only three percent of children in said state, and it's like those are still hundreds of thousands of of children,
0: people. Yeah.
1: And and that is still like if there is just one child that is like going without something that they need in order to Mm -hmm. to survive and thrive like that is insufficient and so for us to like look at like even suicide rates in in men Mm -hmm. after the age of 85 like that is a subset of of people in our country and and to question like why is that like what is it about the way that we live our lives that like drives somebody
0: to that point to that point Mm -hmm. right like
1: and And when I think about, um, especially within men, the the way that masculinity pressures you to maintain Mm -hmm. a particular form, and I consider myself to be a fairly liberated man, Mm -hmm. but it is still like a a consistent practice of like... I have to get myself out of the oh you should do, yeah. you should look, oh yeah. you should say. You have to As actively a, yes. think about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because again, I mean gender being a performance is like mm-hmm. you are you are always trying to figure out like, okay, what does it look like to perform in this, this. box? Yes. And unfortunately one of the things that it looks like is like denying mm-hmm. my own health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and especially my mental health. Uh mm-hmm. it's just those are big numbers.
0: Yeah. And what do you think about from the perspective, you know, being a black male, like a man of color, Mm -hmm. you know, which I think adds another layer. Like we've talked a lot about like societal norms, but also like societal issues Mm -hmm. and concerns that we you and I talk about a lot um, just in general. But like recognizing that, you know, that plays a part, too, into like help seeking behaviors when the places that we typically think of or we should think of as safe places, right? Mm-hmm. Like the police. Yeah. Or, you know, seeking out services from a mental health professional that may not look like you, but then won't understand your needs. And that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. But, like, what a, What are... Do you feel like it's any different or, like, exacerbated even more for, for men of color seeking Absolutely. Help? I,
1: I think... I, I, I believe that it is extremely exacerbated for men of color, especially when I consider education, which is why I love like working in education because like mm-hmm. that is truly the way that we learn to navigate the world is through our education and our experience with education mm-hmm. and when I consider like the disproportionate numbers of, of black boys that are diagnosed with learning disorders that are diagnosed with behavioral, behavioral challenges mm-hmm. like, when in all actuality like is this child receiving like the social emotional skills that they need in order to thrive Mm -hmm. and more often the the answer is no like and so when you know you have been presented with with an education system that has failed you now it's like oh that's just so and so that's just how he acts that's just how he is like he's just Like, he just gets, like, really angry. Mm -hmm. And so, and it just, it normalizes, like... labels them. Right, and it labels them Mm -hmm. when in all actuality. Like, if if that child had an education that that provided them with the skills to to navigate interpersonally, socially, and also had an education that, like, provided them the resources they needed, Mm -hmm. perhaps they would know and understand themselves a lot better than what they do. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that when I consider... Black males already within a system that disenfranchises them and within the healthcare system. I'm like, there's already so much stigma in our own community and mistrust when it comes to like health and, and medicine. Um, like, I just went to the doctor with my grandma a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and. I mean, he was a pleasant white man, mm-hmm. like, and was like trying to help her figure out her medicines and all these other things, and she was just like, I mean, one after the, she was, <laughs> <laughs> she was tearing him down, right? And I was like, is there some context here? I don't know. Right. You like, did um, I miss him? Like, what is what's the what's, <laughs> what's the this beef? about? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that it's because like there is there is so much mistrust, mistrust. and a, and a lack of representation does breed mistrust, mm-hmm. but a lack of representation also. Breeds like a lack of inclusiveness because mm-hmm. I can imagine as an 80 odd year old woman, my grandmother's not looking forward to going to a to doctor a and doctor. being talked down to, mm-hmm. or you know, having to navigate big words or mm-hmm. like major things. Yeah, like this man asked her if she wanted her shots, and she was like, "No." Right. Like I was like, "So you don't want? You just want so any much. vaccination? <laughs> like <laughs> you just don't care? It's
0: not even an option." Right. Yeah.
1: And when I consider like the the, the state of of black men um it's just like even that becomes exacerbated for me because it is just it's not the norm it is perceived as like weakness it's perceived as like all these other things and and I was like in talking to a friend of mine I strongly advocate for mental health like support mm-hmm. and for mental health like maintenance for all of my friends and
2: mm-hmm. everybody yeah
1: um yeah. and I was like I mean. If you get a cavity, you're not gonna take it out yourself, like.
2: No. Yeah, you're not. If your car breaks I'm down, not. are you gonna fix it? Like, no. There are <laughs> right.
1: Like we we will we are so conditioned mm-hmm. to. To know that it's like, it's acceptable that if I have a throbbing pain in my mouth that I need to go to a dentist. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, my car breaks down, like, go I need to, to a call mechanic. a mechanic. Right. You know, probably not fire Firestone, but like, no. I need to call a mechanic. Like, I'm going to go
0: to Toyota. I
1: exactly. Like, yeah. I, you are so willing to acknowledge like where you not fall short, but like where you do not have the expertise mm-hmm. because you would hate to be on that interstate. On your way to Texas, mm-hmm. and that car give out on you again. But when it comes to mental health, we are so ready to just like dismiss it. To yeah. dismiss it, mm-hmm. we dismiss it, and and find these like unhealthy coping mechanisms. Oh, yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> like,
0: Which turns into usually even more critical mental health right. concerns down the line and
1: destructive behaviors and uh-huh. like all these things. Poor
0: choices, right? Yeah. I'm like,
1: when in all actuality, if we had just developed. The, the support system around us mm-hmm. had developed, like, the language to be able to describe, like, no, I can't do that today. I'm actually feeling very anxious right yeah. now. Um, to know that we, like, how to protect and maintain our mental health, yeah. and even to, like, seek mental health support yeah. to, like, understand how to navigate ourselves, our world, our own mental health. Mm-hmm. Because it's, like, like, if I wanted advice on buying a house, I might go to a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. If I wanted advice on how to navigate the eighteen different situations that are happening in my life at one time, I would go to my therapist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I think it's dangerous for me to overestimate. Like, yeah. no, I got this. I can handle this. Yeah, I can, I can, do can this. figure this
0: out, even yeah. though it's something you may have never faced before. Right. Yeah.
1: Until yeah. I start snapping on people. Yeah. Until <laughs> you,
0: till you pop off at one time,
1: and then it's like, mm, <laughs> I need to call my therapist.
0: Yeah.
1: But, but I mean, it's just when, especially when I consider black men, it is. I I always I believe that in multiple ways and in various ways, like gender is limiting, but also that masculinity is sometimes debilitating. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's one of those like you will shoot yourself in the foot. Mm -hmm. It's like that, like it just it reminds me of what you are willing to sacrifice and, yeah, and because indoor. it does not fit into the box mm-hmm. of what you feel like your manhood should be Yeah, and I'm like there there is nothing stronger at least there is I have never felt the strength that I have felt in my life until I have sat down with someone to better understand myself mm-hmm. and to better understand what I was doing because mm-hmm. like you can you can say you boss hog all day <laughs> you can say you know you like number one, like like you on top. You, you run the streets, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, if you if you can't manage yourself, if you can't understand yourself, and actually like it's not even about understanding yourself, it's about like understanding yourself to understand your strengths, right? And what like your God given gifts right. are, what works for you exactly, exactly, so that I can align myself with those things because that is what allows me to like succeed in this life. Yes, not like you know all the random things that we tell each other matter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's the thing that people miss is that therapy isn't always about being in this place of struggle, like pervasive struggle. Right. It's about questioning what's mm-hmm. going on in your life, facing a challenge and trying to make a decision that right. maybe you need an unbiased opinion about yeah. um, being able to navigate kind of we've referenced the larger societal issues that you're not even sure that you felt something about until you feel something Mm -hmm. about it and being able to process that with somebody who's not gonna be maybe that friend who's ready to get in the car and ride with you you need them but this might maybe i don't need you right now right this is not the moment yet um you know and so being able to realize that like therapy counseling coaching whatever Um, Even self-help reading and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, I think is really important, particularly because men are not normalized generally to do that. Right. The help seeking behavior is like really not seeking help. Right. That's really what's more taught. Um, And so what I what is a good thing, I think we are noticing generationally is like you and I were both millennials Mm -hmm. um, and like we're seeing more people seek help. We're seeing mental health being more of a conversation and people developing comfort. Um, And maybe in some ways, like, social media has played a part in that. Uh, Reality TV has played a part in that. Um, How much do you think that will continue? Do you feel... Do you feel... Do you even agree with that, with me saying that? Like, social media, us as millennials, like, that sort of thing has helped to start at least the conversation and change the conversation. What do you think?
1: I find that, like, when... I talk to I, I, within my friend groups, I would say like our the ages vary, right? Um, So yeah, we have a very wide
0: (laughs) friend circle. Shout out to all y'all.
1: Some friends that are like in their twenties, some friends in their thirties, some friends in their Mm forties, and I think what what I've noticed even from the difference between my generation and my mom's generation is the power of. I believe, technology mm-hmm. and, and, like, in social media because I, I believe that, like, technology actually connects us in a way that we would not have otherwise been connected and also technology, in in some instances, like, brings down those walls of inequity mm-hmm. in terms of, like, access. Right. Like, access to other people, access to other stories, access to other experiences mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, typically whether you are middle class, working class, upper class typically you have a phone you have access to the internet, you have Facebook you have Instagram, like Mm -hmm. you have access to engaging with other people and I think that that is, I mean, what I would have, you know, pulled from learning about myself is much of the purpose of of why we're here, so like connect with each other Mm -hmm. and I think when I consider like a millennial generation we just are not a generation that like takes a lot of stuff, like they're and I think that that's only growing over time. But I find that we are a generation that's like, that don't feel right. I don't yeah, I don't we'll think call we should do out. this. We'll like, call a spade a spade. Right. And, we, right. and even
0: if we may not have the solution, right. but we're not going to be silent. Exactly. And that makes a big difference, like you said, with more yeah. access to be able to then say, yeah, I don't really know what's going on with me, but I saw that this person is talking about counseling or talking about therapy or talking about mental health. Right. Let me Google that.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Because you are, I think, at a point where... We grew up in in a certain level of privilege Mm -hmm. compared to our parents, compared to our grandparents. And I think it just makes us more ready to take risks. Right. Like, um, I think, like, many civil rights leaders would have said, like, there is, like, the fight is not over. The Mm -hmm. next generation will, like, pick up that that fight and carry it on. Mm -hmm. And it's because I need to be able to look and see what has been done and what has been possible in order to then take what I believe to be possible and make that possible so that I can, you know, pass it on to the next generation. And I think that when I consider millennials, like, we are definitely where we grew up. We're like, yes, I'm stressed right now. And I need to go home. Whereas I think my mom's generation would have been like, no, let me work out this full day. Mm -hmm. Let me work out this job for the next six years. Mm -hmm. I'm close to retirement. Let me get it over with. Like, as opposed to our generation, which is like, no, I actually need to like, maintain myself Mm -hmm. and so i I love the fact that we are a generation that's willing to say it is not okay to operate like this right you actually need to go talk to somebody Mm -hmm. and i I love that like the way that technology does connect us it connects us to real stories yeah to be like oh like anthony bourdain's like kate Mm -hmm. spade's like to say i would have assumed looking at this person's life x y and z right clearly that is not true that's not
0: the case right
1: and so i I find that the more that we like lean into technology the more that we lean into each other Mm -hmm. is the more that that we will make it more and more acceptable Mm -hmm. to take care of ourselves in all ways you know go to the dentist
0: also go to your
1: therapist (laughs) right
0: right and i think that because we've ended up sort of as that middle A middle generation, that's what I consider us. So you talked Mm -hmm. a lot about like our parents and grandparents, you know, the mistrust of like healthcare system, medicine in general, you know, particularly like we start talking about populations of color, particularly black people Mm -hmm. um, and things that have occurred in sort of the medical profession that has kind of warranted a mistrust. I'm Mm -hmm. not even going to, you know, deny them that. And then realizing that the generation coming behind us, Centennials, um, they don't know a world without Facebook, Google, Snapchat. Is that what they're called? Centennials? Centennials, child. That's what it is. So (laughs) so that's the new name for them. Um, I think those are kids born in like 2000 or after, which seems weird to me because I was born in the 80s. But whatever. Um, So that group like always had like, internet yes um always has had access to reality tv like I remember and there may have been a show before this but like the first reality TV show that I can recall was Cops (laughs) like you know and like that was reality TV Mm -hmm. which actually was probably more real than reality TV is now now. but like that was kind of it at that time and that just seemed like oh my gosh this is like a real high speed chase yeah like jumping over the fence yeah (laughs) Yeah. 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 it was like that same experience and so now like they have reality TV shows about everything including counseling and therapy which I think again helps to open the conversation earlier but for them maybe getting a misperception of what it is Right. and we're fortunate and blessed and highly favored to have fallen into the generation where we remember like dial up and you yep. had to get off the phone to get on the yep. internet or you know like Facebook I think came out the year I started college mm-hmm. so and you had to be in college yep. to have a Facebook so you didn't have a Facebook, um, and that was like a big deal um, before that it was like MySpace you know? and yeah. you change your background I was a coder we were coding Girl, I know I <laughs> and it's like you don't even realize that because now kids they don't have to do it unless they're taught it and so you know i i I think we're fortunate but i also think we have an obligation because we're that middle group that has seen both sides our parents and Mm -hmm. grandparents experiences and then what's coming behind us to kind of clarify what mental health is how it can be utilized how it can be beneficial um and dispelling the myths about it and so you know hopefully that's what this conversation will do for people, but also just to be able to open those doors a little bit more. So we'll hope fingers crossed. We will. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Um, so what about like in general, you know, I know that, and you kind of referenced this, like utilizing mental health services, I'm assuming mm-hmm. you do. Yes. Um, and have, and so what do you tell us? What you like about it? Tell us, and you kind of shared a little bit, but yeah. what do you feel like are the benefits for you personally that other people maybe can take if they're still trying to figure out: Do I want to do this? Do mm-hmm. I really want to tell this stranger my deepest darkest secrets? Because that's what they think it yeah. is.
1: Um, like, <laughs> and and it's only because, literally, from like deepest darkest is if only you sit in front of someone and they're like, it's okay. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I promise. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I have 18 other people that I know that are like dealing with the same thing. Like it's, I think when, when we build up Mm -hmm. these beliefs or these like narratives in our head Mm -hmm. of like either what a situation is or what a circumstance is or whatever and we're not looking for like alternative voices to contribute to that story, like that's dangerous. That is very, very, like we're, I mean, I would say we see it today, like in our in our own politics, of what happens when you like lean into a single story so far mm-hmm. that you are just willing to, you know, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um. But for me, what what I love is, um, so I have my own therapist. Mm-hmm. Her name is Dr. Travis. Mm-hmm. And shout
0: out to Dr. Travis.
1: We have been going going long and strong for three years, maybe just That's about, awesome. um, and what I appreciate the most is yeah, in the beginning it's like, okay, we're like building and we're trying to figure out like what are these things happening in my life, but over time as, you know many of the mountains have been reduced into (laughs) molehills we like we talk about the experiences that I like my experiences in life, like Mm -hmm. what do I want out of my life Mm -hmm. is what I'm doing aligning to my life and I think it's so powerful to have I mean, even just a touch point. Mm -hmm. So like in my day to day work, I will have a check in with my manager every week to ensure that I'm like on track to meet my goals for Mm -hmm. the year. Mm -hmm. Why would I not do the same thing for For my own personal life? Right. right? Like, why would I not sit down with someone to be like, who knows? Like, oh, Jared's goal is to be in X place by X time. Mm -hmm. Why would I not sit down with somebody who could be like. Well, yeah, I hear you talking a lot about this. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound like it's going to get you to this place that you want to be. It's the accountability piece. You have accountability, and and I don't think I I believe there's in my personal life. I don't think I can have too much accountability, (laughs) and so I also like Karen also helps me surround myself Mm -hmm. with the people who will hold me accountable. Like she helps me build a a life that actually facilitates my goals and aspirations mm-hmm. like and that's what i love about it because left to my own devices I'll probably still be spiraling about the same relationship situation that Mm -hmm. happened about three years ago Mm -hmm. that I should have been over when it happened. Mm -hmm. Like,
0: and that maybe like your friends can tell you like, let it go, do this. And like, you believe them, Mm -hmm. but it's just different coming from somebody who literally only knows what you tell them. So they know probably not necessarily a more authentic you, but like a part of you that maybe you don't disclose to friends and they're able to then give that unbiased Mm -hmm. accountability. That's different than like me being like Jared, come on
1: stop and this person is like I find it so valuable that there is one person if if there is one person in your life that you can go to judgment free Mm -hmm. criticism free you know that they are looking out for your best interest because if not that's why malpractice insurance is there (laughs) like true you (laughs) there there's a reason why you can go and you can sit down with this person and be honest with them because mm-hmm. it is not until like you are honest with yourself that you are able to even make the changes and the, the mm-hmm. strides and the uh, achievements and the successes that you want to see in your life come come to pass like you cannot one fix it yourself mm-hmm. Two, um, you should not underestimate the power of having like just an unbiased party who can sit in on your life look in and be like, so tell me about this decision you made right here. Why does that make sense to you?
0: <laughs> How does that align? How does that like align to anything? What you told me was the goal. Right. And, and
1: for no other reason than because that person can then sit there and be like, so if that does not align to your goal, why did you why do it?
0: doing it? Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: so you were really doing it for this reason. Next time, you probably shouldn't. Right. Like, and and that's, yeah. that's helpful because if not, I'm like, I have one life to live mm-hmm. and I have not made any promises that mm-hmm. I will come back and do it again. So. <laughs> Why would I not do everything in my power to to figure out how to maximize every opportunity mm-hmm. that exists? Like, and I think that one way of doing that is to find somebody to be there with you, just yeah. like a financial coach would, yep. just like your dentist tell you you're not flossing or whatever. <laughs> is like the same person to be like, you set out these very ambitious goals. Are you tracking toward them, mm-hmm. or you like are going through this really big like life change, change. right now? Yep. Even if it is just as simple as like we. I think underestimate what it means to like just move jobs. Yep. Like you have been so comfortable in a place for so long. Like it is going to have an effect on you. Trust me. It is not all like daisies and roses Mm -hmm. because as those things start to unfold, like how are you navigating this new space, this Mm -hmm. new environment? How are you adjusting? Mm -hmm. If it's something that's like happened in your family, how are you navigating that relationship, especially family? Oh yeah. Because I, I believe that like when you are raised in a system And raised in an environment, it is hard for you to accept, like, what is not normative. Yeah. And it is so easy for you to accept, like, if your family, if you've experienced, like, toxic behaviors, if Mm -hmm. you've experienced toxic relationships, it is so easy and natural for you to just assume that that's just the way it goes.
0: Yeah, and accept dysfunction. Right. And Mm -hmm. accept
1: dysfunction in your life. Dysfunction that actually breeds other problems in your life. Right. And
0: maybe a root cause of why you're actually in therapy in the first place. Right. Yeah.
1: Like... And so, like, when we can go to someone mm-hmm. who can help us navigate those things, someone who is, like, trained and experienced and, like, ready to to help me navigate my life in the world mm-hmm. can look at some of those behaviors and be like, Jared, I understand that that's what you learned in your family, but that may not be the healthiest thing mm-hmm. for you to do if you want this relationship to work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, like, just that unbiased third party, like, there is nothing... Like that, like even my friends, like for as amazing and incredible and and strong and determined and ambitious as they are, like they are also living their own lives. Mm-hmm. They're also balancing their own things. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, and it's not fair for me to like summon a conference call to be like, circle of friends, <laughs> right? I have X situation, and I need your assistance. What will we do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what will the council decide?
0: And recognizing that it's not, and it shouldn't be, c- completely unbiased. Like, mm-hmm. so I expect that. Right or wrong And I hope you would tell me I'm wrong But at the same time I'm going to be like Okay Jared this is what we're about to go do um, I don't know if this is right or not But this is what we're doing For you to maybe voice your opinion Because you're an individual right. But then to be like but let's ride Because right. that's what friends will do right. Whereas your therapist is going to be like, no, we ain't getting That in. don't make sense. That ain't the route we're about nope. to take. Because that's not going to get you to where you said exactly. you're really trying to be. Or to the point of making that decision or that change that you say right. is what you really want right now. And that's the difference. Because yes. I think a lot of people are like, well, why can't I just, you know, I just to my gather friends. my friends and I'm like, you know, go to happy hour and right. flush it out. But it's not that is the same. Not the same. Yeah. It is not the same it's at not all. It's not the same.
1: Because I will... I will support my friends in their decisions, like no matter what, because right. like they're my friends. I'm gonna tell you it's crazy, exactly. But well, I'm still when gonna you be do there. It, I'm like, still gonna <laughs> be there, exactly. Um, <laughs> when when the inevitable happens, I'm not gonna say nothing, but I'll be there. Yeah. But to have somebody in your life that that can look at it and from just just a cold and honest perspective, just be like, no, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So even my friends, if if I'm like you know. I'm gonna call such and such. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna do this again. My friends will be like, "I mean, okay." Yeah. Whereas my therapist would probably be like, "Jared, let's go back to 2017. Mm-hmm. Do you remember where we were then? <laughs> let's talk about what's bringing what was you back." Then? Right? Yeah. Like that is, and that is yeah. just an hour of my life where I can just unapologetically, <laughs> selfishly, just like go off mm-hmm. into the, the the abyss of my life and just yeah. say like all of my fears, my concerns, my worries, like, that I might not feel as comfortable saying to my friends. Exactly,
0: exactly. And that's
1: actually where, most times, that is where, like, The root cause or the root driver Mm. of something lives. Mm. And then me being able to speak it out is me being able to look at myself and be like, that was
0: dumb. as Yeah. Yeah. And take accountability and responsibility for a decision that, yeah, maybe was the wrong one at the time Mm -hmm. or maybe felt right, but learning the why of why it felt right. right. Like all of that makes a big difference than when, you know, we're just all sitting around on the couch talking about whatever. It's just very different. So... (laughs) Well, I appreciate that for sure because I don't. I don't think people always understand um, the importance of right. being able to have that separate, unbiased, third non-judgmental third-party yeah. third person who can give you a lot of truth, um, a lot of accountability, and also still feel though a connection and bond with. So I right. think also a lot of times people will feel that there's this like hierarchy when you come into the counseling room, Mm -hmm. like as if we as therapists are like magicians or wizards or fix me. Yeah. And (laughs) like, so we have the power, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I always tell folks, and I think I've talked about this on the show too, is it's a partnership. It is. Um, I need you as a client to be honest with me as best you can and to look, your level of comfort and that builds as rapport builds. But To be able to know that, like, a trust is there, but I can still only do my job based on On what your willingness is to be honest with me, to share with me, to work on then the Mm. things I tell you to go work on after our session and come back and be honest again if you did it or didn't do it. Um, It definitely is not one sided. So I appreciate you being able to, like, probably make that clearer for people who sort of imagine it to be this, like, magical experience or this like whimsical is probably Mm -hmm. a better word experience of me being this grand wizard which sounds awful because of you know making America great but like being able to realize that like I'm not a magician I'm not a wizard I'm not you know any of these things that um people again when you watch reality tv or you watch movies like you don't have to come in and stretch out on the couch you right. can sit in my nice comfy chair right. um or you can sit on the sofa or you can stretch out if that's what you want to do you can take your shoes off you can sit on the floor like there's not this formalized uh way that therapy has to look mm-hmm. um unless the client makes it that
1: way. right mm-hmm. and I, I what i love is so i sometimes can like see myself similar to like a corporation or a mm-hmm. business mm-hmm I say that, like, you get out of therapy what you get. Yeah. And if you want somebody that is, like, if if these are your goals and these are the things that you want in your life, long-term relationship, marriage, kids, successful business, want to open your own business, like, if these are the things that you say that you want in life and this person is there to, like, help you navigate your life, why would I come in and not give you the full, Mm -hmm. right? Like, that's, like, me saying I have... Goals and objectives in my job, but every week I go into a check-in. I'm talking to my boss oh, about talking. everything, but my goals and my job. Right, right. So I come to the end of the year and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't know why I didn't I achieve didn't anything. Anything right? Yeah. Like <laughs> because you didn't, you know what? What work did you put in? And mm-hmm. you know, you know what? is like one of my.
0: I know. What am I what Iana, <laughs> I know.
1: You have to do the work, beloved. <laughs> like that. That is exactly that, that is what I I hear because, and I will have conversations with my therapist where she's like. You know, you've come a, a very long way in a very short amount of time and it's because i'm i acknowledge that like in this instance if there is somebody sitting in front of me that is like tell me what you need and we will figure out how to do it mm-hmm. if that's not happening then it's on me right like what is what am i not contributing what am i not bringing to the table in mm-hmm. order to drive this because if i go into my therapist's office and I know what a situation is, and I know like the real nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. But I'm only giving she you not like to share right, but that. I'm choosing not to share that. Like mm-hmm. then she's not helping me through. Yeah, what's what the real problem yeah, is? Yeah, she's helping
0: you through the facade of exactly. whatever you decided to exactly. offer to her or right. him. Yeah,
1: and and the more that the therapy is like, I mean, it really is. It's like going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Like if if I had to go to the doctor and i'm like trying to manage my own health and i'm trying to figure out what is going on in my life i'm not about to sit here and be like i don't feel good figure it out right like what the <laughs> so you could die tomorrow like what? yeah like, but <laughs> but therapy is very much a, a situation in which it's like i am bringing you i'm gonna bring you every single instance interaction experience question i had Concern I had Moment I felt sad What happened in that moment Because I want to help figure Like I want to figure out together mm-hmm. What is happening in my life mm-hmm. How do I navigate this So I don't have to do it again
2: mm-hmm. And
1: like How do I build the skills To lead a more successful life Again I only have one of them Right, right. And so to waste time Like I, I think that For some people to go to therapy Of course there's that That initial stage Of building rapport And like getting to know Yeah right Which your is therapist. Expected, Right yeah. But at the same time I'm like I have to come with a certain level of vulnerability to be like, look, Sway, I know you ain't going to tell nobody my business because if you do, again, malpractice insurance. (laughs) I'll sue you. But but like, I have to be willing to say, you know, is this the right relationship for me that can help me meet my goals? Right, to
0: open up and do what you got to do. I'll
1: only know that and I'll only know what I'm capable of if I'm willing to like open up to this person, sit on their couch, their floor, wherever, Mm -hmm. and be like, you know it was a real interesting day today you know Mm why I don't know I was real unsure of myself in this meeting like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's powerful yeah
0: being that honest and that vulnerable is really that's the magic yeah Um, and that's what I do wish more people understood the magic comes in the honesty the vulnerability not sitting waiting for us as clinicians to be like yeah you should do this because I'm really not an advice giver right it's me holding up a mirror to you it's empowering this is what you told me This is what you also told me last week about the goals you want. How is this image that I'm now throwing back at you that you Mm -hmm. just told me about the choice you made today fit with what you told me last time about what it is that you ultimately are trying to do and being able to have somebody who you've built that type of bond with. Call you out a little bit and challenge you a little bit um, is very different than what you might get from a friend, a parent, whoever who can do that. But it's just a different. It's different because
1: it's. I mean, it is ultimately empowering. Like I think one of the, as I was like building my relationship with my therapist, like she made it very clear that like therapy is not meant to be like you know you sit here for the rest of your life and you come to me every week until death. Yeah, it is actually like I'm I'm here to. Help you navigate the tools to like, hopefully, not need me. Yeah. And the way that that Dr. Travis like, it really is empowering when you help me navigate situations that I thought were like insurmountable. Mm That you helped me navigate a challenge that I thought was like the biggest thing in the world, Mm -hmm. something that I thought I would never be able to talk about or something I would never be able to confront, and we are able to have a conversation about it weekly go back to it be like oh you remember when we were working through this mm-hmm. it is so empowering to take those like mountains in your life yeah and literally reduce them down like you mm-hmm. don't even have to climb no you, you just gotta, gotta make gotta them small like Mm-mm. but that is that is the most empowering thing because it it gives me ownership over my own story right because before that a lot of those things would have dictated like based off of fear or perceived yep. fear based off of like Fear of failure, fear of conflict, like mm-hmm. all these things. What I was going to be able to do and navigate mm-hmm. going to a therapist is like, oh no, so like we got this. We got this. And it's like, it's a partnership. Yeah. Like it is a partner. We're like superheroes.
0: Yeah, superheroes. It's Wakanda. Um, right? Wakanda forever. Um, so being able to do that, I think what has been beneficial to, I know clients that I have had, is mm-hmm. them coming to that realization that at the end of the day, it isn't my job to hold you hostage forever right um i i tell clients during their initial consultation which i think for some of them is like oh no you're already trying to get rid of me but it's not it's me being honest that this is a journey yes that Mm -hmm. we're starting um however it's my job to put myself out of a job in your life at some point and that doesn't mean you can't follow up with me check in because life is still going to be life and things will happen but for you to not you should feel empowered by the fact that Like you said, things that come up, you're totally like, there is no way I could get through that. um, Or there is no way I can even figure out a solution to this. And when you have done it, through utilizing your therapy in that way, it Mm -hmm. makes you then realize that, like, well, I have this sort of internal ability to make this happen. And now I need to learn how to start to apply it across life areas so that I can do it again and again and And again. again. So that I don't have to call up, you know, Dr. Poole or Dr. Travis or anybody to be able to say okay look I can't figure this out Right, Um, and that doesn't mean again you can't touch base but it's at some point you should feel like all right, you know I've been going to therapy weekly for six months I'm ready to go to every other month or I'm ready to start
1: checking in once
0: a month or therapy for me was two years ago so now I'm only going to check in every six
1: months and I I think our what I love about my relationship with my therapist is it it ebbs and flows Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like when I was first going it was like girl i need to see you every other week Mm -hmm. if every week is not an option i need to see you as frequently as possible Mm -hmm. and then we were able to like reduce that down to like twice a month Mm -hmm. now we're more so on like a a month to month schedule Mm -hmm. but i also know that like if anything happened in my life that we could go back to right back to figuring out like a week to week and every other week or whatever and we can ebb and flow until i'm able to like navigate all of these situations at a pace that's comfortable for me like
0: The power is still the client. Yes. The power doesn't lie in the therapist. Yes. And that's the message I hope those of you guys who are listening understand. You know, Particularly those of you who are still trying to figure out if this is something you want to try. Mm-hmm. Recognizing that you have all the power to be able to make this kind of whatever you want it to be. Right. And it's our job as clinicians to be there. Mm-hmm. And to help you figure out kind of what it's going to be as well. So I appreciate your honesty for sure. So last question before we take a brief break and then we get to the fun part which this is fun too but more fun stuff oh, yeah, um, tell us just you know so like you said you use the great example of the fact that like when you're in certain periods of your life you may only be checking in with your therapist monthly every other month yeah. whatever how do you take care of yourself in between what does your self care yeah. routine look like what are some of your practices what do you do to like maintain Jared
1: um, so let's see what do I do I, so I said I go to the gym a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I go to the gym about six times a week. Yes. And I I think mostly because when, like, if I look at my journey with fitness, it was something that started off as, like, looking at the deficits of myself. And actually, like, fitness in the gym has become, like, my most consistent form of meditation. Mm -hmm. Of, like... Just focusing on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Focusing. And that one thing is me. Like
0: pacing myself. Like yourself. pacing myself. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Like I'm watching my breathing. I'm watching like my movements. Mm-hmm. I'm like listening to my music. It, it's one of the, one of the spaces in my life where I can decompress and mm-hmm. relax. Um, it makes me
0: want to go to the gym more. I mean, we could. Listening to you. Let's go. I mean, you know um,
1: <laughs> I, so I go to therapy um, about once a month at this point. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I'm also conscious of what I not let like let into my life, but I am very intentional about managing my own energy. Mm-hmm. And so when I wake up in the morning, typically like as I'm getting dressed, India Ari has this album called um, "Song Versation mm-hmm. Medicine" that is just like just songs that are almost like mantras of just like positive thoughts and positive yeah, energy, and like I am that. light, mm-hmm. just breathe, like all these things. And that yeah. is why I listen to like on my way to work which so i tried the difference initially i was listening to like npr in the morning that wasn't happening <laughs> probably was so, a little stressful yeah though. yeah and then you know that that is literally the, the jump off for your day and so uh-huh. like i i listen to to ndire i am also very conscious to like music i i was like even growing up in New Orleans like I was I was an artistic child mm-hmm. like I was an artistic student it comes and to the territory for it, right? Us, we can't help it like, yeah so I, I found that music has such a sway mm-hmm. over my mood my energy my life everything and so i'm very conscious of like what am i listening to mm-hmm. and so i might start off with like india ary but when i'm at work and i'm like trying to get through a day or whatever i might listen to cardi b right why because it makes me feel like Switch a like a boss a like boss. so <laughs> i do that i'm constantly like what i listen to in in the gym um and most of it's like you know really happy empowering songs Mm -hmm. and not all of it is Mm -hmm. like it means that i can i can balance with the adele Mm -hmm. i can balance with you know the drake yeah like i it it is so powerful for me to like be able to manipulate my own energy like Mm -hmm. that like because sometimes, and I, I can know that when I was younger, like, it just felt, it felt like you ain't know what you was going to get. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what are we today? Are we happy? Sad? What? <laughs> but when you're able to manipulate your own energy mm-hmm. to be like, no, I'm really only going to be happy today. Right. Um,
0: and tell yourself that. And I can curate mm-hmm. that for
1: myself. I also watch a ton of Super Soul Sundays because...
0: I do love that. I don't know
1: if it's so much like the, the, the depth of the content or how powerful it is, or if I just love seeing Oprah just excited. Because yeah, like, she <laughs> is. Every episode. Doesn't matter who's on. And yeah. she's so happy. Um, and so, <laughs> I don't know if it's that, but I love Super Soul Sundays. I watch Black Love religiously mm-hmm. um, because I think another thing I learned in therapy was that the way that I approached love in my life was that it was like a hindrance to my goals or mm-hmm. to my successes. Not actually getting to the point where I acknowledge that as a person like I'm just a very loving person right. which may be news nice to some people but I don't think so <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm a I'm a very loving person like love is is something that brings me joy mm-hmm. and so when I realize that that is something that brings me joy I need to find more content right like that. you didn't and realize so,
0: how important exactly, it really was exactly yeah. and so That's like
1: awesome. to watch to watch black love to watch love is to I write a blog mm-hmm. about like love and relationships and mm-hmm. like self-awareness and self-love and it and all of it is because I realized that my my energy was I mean really something sacred to me. Yeah. Like before I I would say I was reckless with it. Where I was like, I'll figure it out later, I'll do it later, I'll take care of myself later, mm-hmm. I'll like be happy later, whatever. Yeah. When again, ain't but one life to live. Mm-hmm. So like when I start to prioritize like love and joy in my life is something that i focus on and yeah. so if i'm writing about it every week then it's like that then that's it's something that you need to yeah. it's intentional it's yeah. something that you like you find content for you find inspiration for you write about you sit down you focus on mm-hmm. and it's because so much of of life is perception yeah and so much of like what you see as either a big deal not a big deal insurmountable impossible so much of that is based on your perspective mm-hmm. and somebody with a different perspective is like girl what if you just stepped over it yeah like
0: <laughs> what if you just ignored that let's part just, or let's move, just try to move past it yeah
1: like all of those things are the things that i do intentionally just to like maintain myself my energy yeah my love my peace all of yeah those.
0: i love it i mean i think being able to have a self-care routine of some kind that sometimes is like Not having a routine, but having things that you need in order to, like you said, curate your energy for a day, Mm -hmm. for the week, for the month, to be able to say, I'm choosing my happiness, I'm choosing my peace, I'm choosing my joy, um, and I'm going to do things to make sure that those things come into my Mm -hmm. life during this day or during this week. Um, And if more people, I think, did that then they would then start to be able to see some of those clouds lift either in the therapeutic process, but even beyond that, like Mm -hmm. your day-to-day, you get the option, it's your life, um, to choose sort of how you will experience life. And I think the more people realize that they have that power, again, to do that, um, it becomes normal, it becomes sort of a need, a necessity, Mm -hmm. and uh, you choose not to live any other way.
1: I mean, so Jennifer Lewis had... A quote. First of all, her book on audio. Was I have to read it. Heard I heard it. I heard it so good. Okay, there were multiple times in a store where I like I just have to like I just have to get on my knees. I just have to just sit down for a second because of something that she said. But there is there is a quote that she she was giving a talk and it was Jennifer Lewis. So it was the NSFW version, but I'm going mm-hmm. to scale it back for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Right now. Um, <laughs> where she was like, "Don't let life drive you crazy." Mm-hmm. It's yours, you drive it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I took out some expletives. I be, I, I'm there, sure. <laughs> knowing Jennifer Lewis,
0: which is why she's amazing.
1: But but it, it truly, <laughs> I mean, inspired me to to understand that like my life is about ownership. That mm-hmm. there is power in understanding myself. There's power in understanding my experience. So that I could, not just to understand it, but so that I can rewrite the ending. Like, mm-hmm. I can write the rest of it. And mm-hmm. then I just... No, I love
0: it. Yeah, I love it. And I think that, again, if people started to recognize they have the ability to create what their self-care or maintenance looks like, um, people probably would practice it much more. We'd have a lot more happier co-workers, family members that would interact with society, world, politics, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. So, well, this has been great, um, but you're not done yet. We got a few more things. Okay. So you got to stick on the couch for a little bit longer. We're going to take a quick, quick break, and then we'll be right back with our signature segments, our pop psych moment of the week, our small talk book show, and then we'll get to the end of the show. So we'll be right back. Alright folks, we are back We have our three signature segments To get through to end the show um, First up is our pop Psych moment of the week So I think I probably referenced Maybe in the very first episode um, And declared already My love-like allegiance to Beyonce
1: Y'all say.
0: And so um, obviously that is no different When thinking about The collective uh, pair that she makes when she joins forces with her husband. Mm -hmm. And so recently, the Carters have um, released an album called Everything is Love. And what I really want to talk about, even though I love talking about Beyonce, I don't want to talk about her today. Um, I really want to talk about the concept of masculinity, particularly black masculinity. Mm -hmm. And some of the memes and jokes that have been going around about Jay-Z having to make amends for infidelity. Mm So um, I haven't seen it because I have title and I stream and it does not come with like the album booklet that people have been talking about. But there's all these pictures that have floated around of Jay-Z and Beyonce together, you know, kind of intimate photos, but also um, just people sort of, you know, making a joke out of his, what I... I presume is more so like showing openly his love and connection yeah. to his wife mm. and a lot of people kind of, you know, joking like, oh, he has to do that now because he right. screwed up. Right. Um or, you know, no man ever wants to be, you know, kissing ankles like in the video beyond the video. Him yeah. So we got to take him on tour. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to take him on tour. So really she didn't mm-hmm. want this to be a joint tour. She was supposed to be her next tour, and yet she got to bring him along. Mm. And like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> understanding that um Those things, like, come up when we think about, you know, masculinity in general. And and obviously in terms of thinking about societal issues like infidelity, marriage, divorce, um, potentials for divorce, the kids, all that stuff. There's still this expectation that, like, the man is supposed to represent something that somebody else gets to set. Mm -hmm. Um, So even as fans, we still have to label what Jay-Z's love for Beyonce looks like Should because look like, of this right. album um or what responsibility he now has to her because mm-hmm. of her forgiveness um that has to do with his masculinity right. not just like that people forgive your people sometimes and <laughs> right. the the bond they took before the lord um and so realizing that like you know that plays a part in it another thing that i think came up and Jared i want your thoughts on this when i say these things um is You know, the relationship dynamics around friendship between Jay-Z and Kanye. So, one of my favorite lines actually on the album is when Jay-Z talks about, you know, if him and his wife are beefing, talking about the, the issue that they were going through with his infidelity, he wasn't going to anybody's anything. And he was really referencing Kanye and Kim Kardashian's wedding. Right. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that in order to save his marriage... Right. He had to make a choice between friendship and love. Mm -hmm. We'll put it at that. Not that he can't love his friend. But people also sort of, you know, I think they receive a lot of criticism for people who maybe aren't um, understanding of sort of the different dynamic that I think Jay-Z and Beyonce are and Kanye and Kim when it comes to like publicity in Mm -hmm. general. Um, But again there's this like Expectation that as two men They shouldn't even be talking or beefing About friendship because that's not The manly thing to do And that's weird to me Um, I mean I kind of you know I don't agree obviously with what Jay-Z Did but I kinda get that. Like I'm not going to nobody's right. celebration of nothing. I have work to do. Because <laughs> I can't be caught slipping in right. no type of form. So going to your wedding and potentially being spotted standing next to somebody. and turning up with you. Yeah. No nope. it can't be the thing that I can sacrifice right now because at the end of the day This is my life partner, my soulmate, whatever. And so, again, then people make fun of the fact Mm. that as a male, Jay-Z has this soft spot for his wife and kids. As you should. Um, As (laughs) you should. And so it's just interesting that that plays out. And then um, two more things that I think came up for me. One, sort of uh, Jay-Z references politics a lot and, like, social class and um, how his upbringing really prepared him for survival versus, you know, not necessarily thriving and flourishing. And you kind of even brought this up. We were talking about some of those distinctions around, like, men, masculinity, and mental health, and that, you know, because of those social norms or these, like, gender performances that... You know, we have to just We gotta live hard We gotta, you know Live up to the standard Of what has been put out there Mm -hmm. Based on somebody else's Determination of what that looks like In order to be deemed successful When in actuality What I think in his messaging For at least for this album Jay-Z's trying to say like Success for me is actually like Thriving, being a family man, being a good husband, um, being able to be a good friend, Mm -hmm. taking care of my kids Mm -hmm. um, and recognizing that that's uh, more about character than about gender norms and masculinity um, and pushing against that a little bit. Because what he also mentioned and you reference this too, and thinking about the kids that you all work with through TFA sometimes is the label that comes with being raised in a certain environment. But that's your environment. You know no other way. Right. So you've learned to navigate the world as this perceived angry person or frustrated person, person with behavioral issues. And so you've learned to just make your life match that because that's what you've always known. And so I thought that was interesting. He brought that up. And then the last one, it fits with all of that. It's just like this idea of like living well and living life fully. So, you know, he references a lot of round Making memories, valuing friendships, valuing family, um, being able to work hard and celebrate working hard and that that's not being sort of boastful. So I think another form of masculinity, too, is like it's expected that you know if you make a lot of money you need to show it and floss it and like right. that's because that's what a man does when in actuality it's like you really should probably be quiet about how much money you have because where jay-z grew up you might get hit in the head like and your wallet stolen and so being able to realize well that won't ever happen to them because they're flanked in security julius. for those of us right julius <laughs> <laughs> but for those of us who are regular people um valuing like living well is something to celebrate or something to realize that like yeah maybe my life circumstances didn't set me up to have this type of life and now that I've started to make some sort of um, headway into like my dreams Mm -hmm. I should be able to post that on Instagram or to you know celebrate bring my friends together to celebrate a job promotion and everybody being able to feel like This is a win for all of us versus, you know, oh, he's so selfish or, oh, Mm -hmm. he's only worried about, you know, making himself more money. So, you know, even though I liked them separately well before they got married, I appreciated Jay-Z's input on this particular joint album because there are a lot of things that people miss because people are so enamored by their like love story. Um, that just like he did for 444, he's dropping some gems. Yes. Um, around, like, dispelling, you know, some of the things that we often get caught up in around masculinity, about gender norms, um, about life in yeah. general. And so I just think it was very interesting. So I don't know if you've listened to the album,
1: but what are your of thoughts course.
0: about how, you know, how he's been able to, like, bring some light on some things?
1: So one... Yes, I've listened multiple times. I listened to it. <laughs> but what I what I have appreciated, what I appreciated in four forty four, what I appreciate in in this album is, I think it aligns with my journey through like my own spirituality mm-hmm. and also my, like sense or my love of love like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in the way that it works is that marriage is sanitizing Mm -hmm. like marriage is sanitizing in the sense that it's hard and there are you know all of the norms that that you live with the norms that you live with as as a black woman the norms that you live with as a black man the way that you think something should look the thing that you the way that you think something will look Mm -hmm. marriage is the test or the thing That forces you to like, okay, forget all that. Yeah. What works? Yeah. Like, who are you? Mm -hmm. Who is this person? What is this relationship? As in, it forces you to really get at um, who you are, Mm -hmm. not what you are, what you have, Mm -hmm. X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. And I find that like, when I, if, if you try to come into a marriage superficially, it is... I won't say impossible, but it's going to be very challenging. Yeah, because it is truly about you are connecting with somebody in in one of the like deepest forms of connection that you can that you have. you can
0: Possibly have, and
1: the reason it's so deep is because I'm waking up next to you every day, mm-hmm. like
0: and your flaws, and exactly. Your, yes, your past. All and I, of
1: that. I find that like what I love about this album, what I appreciated and loved about four forty four, is it just has a way of like not only once you get married, but especially once you have kids, Mm -hmm. your priorities change completely. And it's just, I've appreciated the sense of, and the courage to say, like, to align to values. Mm -hmm. And to align and say, like... To
0: character. You
1: still broke if everybody broke but you. Mm -hmm. Like, to say that, like, it
0: it matters
1: that the community that you surround yourself with matters. And, And I appreciated it so much because... One, I felt like it got back to something that was a little bit more like vintage Mm -hmm. for for black people in terms of like my mom used to talk about how my grandma used to cook for like a whole slew of our like cousins Mm -hmm. and kids and Mm -hmm. whatever, because it was about it was about a collective.
2: Right. And 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 in that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. that, That
1: our power as black people comes from multitude of places mostly because we're the blueprint but also mm-hmm. because like we have such power in community
2: mm-hmm. and
1: and I love that leaning into, I'm, I'm leaning into my priorities, I'm leaning into my family, my love, my children, my money, m- my, money mm-hmm. my money for their money like mm-hmm. that I you know want better for them I find that, that aligning to so much of those values has been so powerful Yeah, and I, I hope that it is a part of like this swing in this trajectory in terms of you know, let go of the facades, let go mm-hmm. of the faces, let go of the because at the end of the day as appealing as they may be, they don't keep you warm, yep, and so at the you you could have everything you want, you could be boss in the streets, mm-hmm. okay, but <laughs> at the end of the day like if you are aspiring to love and you think that's gonna get you to that mm-hmm. its it's it's not right. And when you realize that I think that that's what's painful And I appreciate JC I appreciate Beyonce for like Their their candor I appreciate their transparency Their yeah. honesty But through art Yeah um, Which I found is, has been like Incredibly artistic and, and creative mm-hmm. In terms of This is a reality And mm-hmm. I find that Maybe I would not be in that place If I was not like Binge watching Black Love Obsessively Right Because <laughs> to see that like it is it is so hard to develop a marriage and a relationship that thrives mm-hmm. let alone a marriage and a relationship that survives mm-hmm. let alone a marriage and a relationship that like survives in addition to facades and superficiality that come up. and all these other things yeah. like their ability to just to say it is what it is. My priorities have shifted sway. Mm-hmm. Either you're in it or you're not.
0: Mm-hmm. Is I think
1: it's refreshing.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's honest and it's raw. And like you said, it, obviously because of their talent, mm-hmm. it's artistic. And so it gives us, again, a, a, a clear perspective and um, openness to, you know, what does it mean? Particularly from Jay-Z's, you know, position as... A man to be able to say, "Yeah, some things have changed." Yes, you know the streets still watching. Yeah, but
1: but I have a wife,
0: right? I'm watching the streets from our penthouse uh-huh. where our kids are sleeping, uh-huh. and like <laughs> you know, that makes a big difference in you know the messaging that is out there from maybe some other perspectives right. in music culture, you know, television and movie culture as well. Um, and so, I appreciate you, Jay. You know for doing that because i yes. think it's important um and i think both of them are also to the point where they're like you could buy this or not buy unapologetic. this this is our truth unapologetic and so you could think whatever you want about this album we put it we're out still there. married yeah we're so still married and where are you <laughs> right right and so that's a whole other episode that we could, we could thank do. you uh, <laughs> but being able to realize that like the honesty i have a deep appreciation for that for both You know, talking about love, marriage, spirituality, finances, but also just his identity and his uh, version of what it means to be a black male. Yes. um, And what. Society would have labeled when we think of 1996 reasonable doubt Jay-Z versus, you know, 2018. Yes. Jay, who's a father of three, right. who's like 47 or something. You know, like, that's a different man.
1: And I completely respect the, like, the spiritual growth mm-hmm. that you can see in terms of, yes, your upbringing helped you to navigate and survive. And I think that that right now, especially like if we look at where we live in time, Mm -hmm. is a goal and a hope of like all black people, especially black men. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And when I consider like his spiritual growth over time is like, okay, now that I've gotten to the point of surviving... What does it look like for me to thrive, to thrive. and like grow mm-hmm. beyond? And this. money can't just and do money that. doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that I love most about like about marriage, about relationships, about X, Y, and Z. Because I would say that initially growing up, I assure you, I was well looking forward to getting married and having money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But when I like truly aligned to love into what I truly want out of life and what I truly want spiritually, mm-hmm. it it made like. Cher and Sonny Bono have never made sense to me before of like you know I don't need money like you know our love won't pay the rent yeah baby okay (laughs) but this eviction notice but what does it do for the eviction notice (laughs) and it's so much of I've I've appreciated like the realignment too like there's so much spiritually Mm -hmm. there is so much beyond yeah survival yeah and once we understand what it takes to survive and what it takes to help other people in our collective survive, like, what does it look like for Gotta us to thrive to the as individuals, as a collective, like, mm-hmm. it's a whole, like, universe out there, like, yeah. like what we So doing? much
0: to see. Right. Which is why I think they named the album, and I don't know this, but I think that's why they meant everything is love. Yes. Everything comes back to... Self love, love of God, love, yes. love of your partner, which I think there's like a little segment on there. There's a little lady mm-hmm. in Jamaica talking about that nice. on the album. Um it's not it is about marriage, it is about relationship, but it's also about, you know, getting past the the survival part and mm-hmm. getting to the part of like living life fully in the way that it right. was meant to, after you have fought your way through all these things, why not get to then reap the benefit of living life happily, which I think is what we were talking about when we were even talking about therapy. Yeah. You know? And
1: especially when I consider I think that we always it is and it's so easy, especially like as people of color, especially when you're like disenfranchised, especially when you're low mm-hmm. income, to say like, I will be happy when. Yeah. I will find joy when. Mm-hmm. And it's always it's typically like tied to money or it's yeah. typically tied to success. And I think one thing that even feeds into mental health challenges is when you get to that point and you realize I had a boss, my last boss, I when I was still in the phase of like, I need my money. <laughs> and he was like, you know, he was a, a really well off guy, like mm-hmm. and, and we were having a surprisingly candid conversation. Whatever. But um but he was like, It'll never be enough. Mm-hmm. You're you're gonna get the six figures, it won't be enough. Yeah. And you're gonna get the seven figures, it still won't be enough. And that is true. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think that ever really made sense to me until now in terms of because there is just so much outside of, of that mm-hmm. that we need in right. order to, th- to survive and to, to really thrive. thrive. Yeah. And if I ignore that because I'm so busy chasing X, Y, and Z, what happened when you get it? Yeah. Then what? What you gonna spend at home? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And with who? Right.
0: Exactly. Well, and I think, you know, that is sort of that... Um, idea that we talked about earlier too with when we were going through some of those statistics when we started thinking particularly around like suicide and mm-hmm. we mentioned you know Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain and these people who like well known money out the wazoo yeah. um, the appearance of thriving right? but yet internally while having all resources at you know just full fun. availability like it's just it wasn't enough right? Um, and being able to never find ourselves in that way is very important. So, I appreciate it. So, thanks again to B and J. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you. Um, so, Small Talk Bookshelf. So, this is our segment where we give you all who are listening um, kind of what we're reading, what we're doing. And so, Jared's mentioned his blog. So, I do want to talk about that. But I also, because I'm your friend, know you love... Brene Brown.
1: All day. All day. (laughs) And I
0: know you love Ayala too, but this ain't about her right now. Brene Brown, tell us like your favorites by her or a favorite or what do you love about her? Why should people add Brene Brown's works to their bookshelf?
1: So Brene Brown is, I think I discovered her my senior year of college Um, and it was through a TED Talk, through her first TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability, which as she reveals, like in our next Ted talk was an act of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, but Brene Brown, I would say when, by the time I graduated and when I started my first job, there was like an eight month span Mm -hmm. of which I was applying for jobs and had largely nothing to do with my Mm dad. Um, and so I wound up picking up, um, daring greatly, Mm -hmm. which I would say like transformed my life and helped me understand the power and empowerment of self-understanding, self-awareness. Um, so, so Darren greatly, I would say, is definitely not just like a must-read, but like a must-like annotate, internalize, highlight, memorize. <laughs> the quote. All of that. The the quote in the beginning is um, the, the entire book. She says is based off of a quote by uh, Franklin Roosevelt, the man in the arena quote. Which is, like, you know, it is not the critic who counts. It is not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles. The credit goes to the man who's in the arena, whose face is marred by blood and dust and sweat. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a quote that says, we will always have an arena in our lives. Mm-hmm. And there will always be people in the audience of the arena looking at Watching, you. Watching, yeah. One, you should not be taking feedback from somebody who is not on the arena floor with right. you. And yeah. who is only willing to watch you. Mm-hmm. And two that even if you fail in the arena, you at least know that there is victory in even being able to try. Yeah. Um, and so that that book was really the beginning of, I would say, like, a, a new echelon of a spiritual journey for me in terms of, I think, af- not long after reading that book, I mm-hmm. came out to my mom, I came out to the, the world. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, granted, it wasn't really much of a surprise anyway. But, like... <laughs> the the courage and the vulnerability and the power that I found like in her work and in her mm-hmm. reading has been incredible mm-hmm. um and then her next book is Rising Strong mm-hmm. which she has you know she has this this series where it started with The Gifts of Imperfection which she says is like love yourself daring greatly which is uh be yourself and be bold and then Rising Strong which is you were yourself you were bold you got knocked down now, what do we do? Right. And how do we get back up? Yeah. And those, I would say those three have been such, such pivotal pieces of my journey and my mm-hmm. spiritual growth, um, if for no other reason they help me understand the power of aligning to myself mm-hmm. over aligning to expectations, norms, you know, all these From other things other that people. are actually super oppressive. Yeah. But in her new book, uh, Braving the Wilderness is also incredible. Like, I, I just find... Anything that Dr. Brown does, anything that Dr. Brown says, it is always centered and grounded in, in love and in vulnerability and courage. In, mm-hmm. I mean, there is so much power in her work mm-hmm. that I don't think I will ever not be. Babe, if you want me to sell books, Dr. Brown, I will go door to door. I will do it. And I will sell them like encyclopedias. <laughs> like, because there's just so much, so much power. In it.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, you guys heard it anything Brene Brown, based on Jared's recommendations, yes. will serve you well, allow you to do some self-exploration, um, but also be able to provide a source of encouragement for those moments where life maybe isn't yeah. as perfect as you expect it to be, but to not give up. And I think anything that helps you do that is beneficial.
1: And I love her work, to me. Maybe it's... Maybe it's why I love therapy. Maybe it's why I love her books. I don't know which one came both, first. right. But it, it really is like... Even reading it's requires like some form of vulnerability because it's so therapeutic in terms mm-hmm. of. I think I I wanted my mom. I bought my mom a copy of Daring Greatly and was like, "We're gonna read it together. It's gonna be." Great. I think she barely got through chapter one. <laughs> I was like, "Girl, it will require something of you." I'm sorry, like, but it's just so. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's how powerful it is. It That's
0: is. amazing. So you guys heard it, Brene Brown, all things. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes if people are unfamiliar with her, maybe to her TED Talk to give you yes. guys just a taste. And then I think after that, you two will probably have bought all the books. Yes. All the things. Um, so last segment is our Ask Dr. LP. And so today we're going to do X, Dr. LP and Ask Jared because Jared's here. Hey. Um, so the question that we got says, last week you spoke about transparency and checking your ego when it comes to self-care.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How can I learn to do that when I'm often the main source of support for others? Mm. That's tough, um, but also necessary. Yeah. Um, for me, so I guess I'll answer as a person, which I'm still a person, but as a therapist and then as LaKeitha. Um, You know, sometimes you have to be unapologetic about uh, what I call selfishness, and it's not the typical version of selfishness i think people think about um but being able to put yourself first above all things which means setting boundaries saying no um, establishing norms that only work for you so i have found in particular and this probably started in my late 20s but i definitely for sure now that i'm in my 30s um i have no problem Saying no Hello. Um, I have no problem being able To be more vocal about Calling people out on things that Do not suit my well being yeah. um, And so because Of that yes There are probably people who maybe Do not like that or who may be turned off By it but it's because they're not They're used to people bending mm-hmm. To their need or bending um, To the Niceness that you know I have But that I'm not willing to sacrifice when it comes to my well-being. And so if you're the friend that always, you know, is the source of support. So people always use the phrase, particularly right now, like check on your strong friend. Mm -hmm. You're the strong friend. But at some point you have to be the vulnerable friend or you have to be the person that you can't, you know, put that baby shower together Mm -hmm. or that surprise party together. Because right now, if you're not made a priority, you will lose even more than just that moment or that memory of planning that party or starting, you know, that class you want to take. Right. The timing may not be right. So um, that's probably my personal perspective. Well, that's probably both. Like, I think I would just say it in a different way if I was talking to a client. <laughs> um, but as as me, as Lakitha, that's definitely uh, the way I function when it comes to, you know, like I said, you got to check your ego a little bit about the fact that you... You have to feel so important to yourself that nobody can get in the way of that. Right. Um, so I'm too valuable to me. Yep. And then to other people that I can't let somebody else who's not even that important drain me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the people who are important who might be draining me, they will understand when I say, no, I can't come to, you know, Papa Joseph's barbecue. Right. Or to, you can't know. do it today. I can't do it. Like, I don't have the capacity Um, And I need you to understand that. And they might not like it, but family, what are they going to do? They can't get rid of you. And then friends who are real friends who are are like tied to you for life, what are they going to do? They're going to be there. They'll get over it. And you will go on. Jared, what do you think?
1: I think the, so when I consider, I I love the beginning of this question about like ego and transparency. Mm -hmm. Because I, I don't always believe that ego is just about like, being full of yourself it's like it's your identity yes it's like who you believe you are and when you believe that you are that person that's like i'm just a supportive person i'm the person that's like always strong Mm -hmm. i'm that i'm that thing Mm -hmm. you are when you box yourself and jail yourself like that um it limits you yeah and and it it actually limits your ability to be able to turn to somebody and say i cannot do that Mm -hmm. because then it becomes a crisis of conscience where i'm like but if I can't do it, am I strong? Right. Am I still supportive? Yeah. Am I still that friend? Yeah. Who am I? Yeah. Like, and so what What I find is so important, and I actually just had this conversation oddly the other day with somebody, mm-hmm. is one, like you said, you have to prioritize yourself because I can't pour from an empty cup. Yep. And two, that, that you have to be okay with the level of vulnerability that is required and being able to say I cannot do this okay. and that people will like probably if you have if it has been common to you that you are always the person who does everything you are always there to do everything there are going to be some people that are like what you mean you can't do it yeah you always do it <laughs> I know I always do it Pawpaw. But today, I said I can't do it today mm-hmm. and we're going to be okay with that mm-hmm. and you have to be okay with like understanding I'm not disappointing anybody right I'm, I'm actually having to like pour into myself. Yeah, self advocating. I'm advocating for myself mm-hmm. the same way that I would advocate for you. Mm-hmm. And so, I find that that when when you are that strong person, you have to one accept that it is it is going to get done. Yeah. I think the belief of of strong people, especially when you are very supportive, is that if I don't do it, who will? Right. And, and it, I think it's, it's having faith in the people that are around you to say, like, somebody's going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I am more than sure. Mm-hmm. So that I can, like, take this break for myself um, and that I can give back to myself. And then I think it's also about the vulnerability of being able to go to somebody and be like, I'm really overwhelmed right now. I can't do this. I need X, Y, and Z. What I, I love about that mm-hmm. is that that shows me who is there for me. Right. Uh, because I think when you were like giving and giving and giving, look, I'll take. If you give it, I'll take. <laughs> exactly. But at the same time, when when, when it's time for, for you to be in that seat, to mm-hmm. be like, I need help. I need support. I need someone to lean on. If there is no one around you, yeah. then you understand where you're, you're spending your where energy you're in the wrong place. Time. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think the more people understand that there are alternative definitions to ego and yeah. selfishness and... Um, it's not what people typically think and mm-hmm. i think being able to give some um comfort maybe and knowing that it's okay to choose you right you know more often than not yes and the people who matter will not mind, not mind. um and they will be okay with it and they'll be there when you're done yep. taking care of you so that was a great question i appreciate the listener who sent that one in um well, yeah, that, that's our only question. So that brings us to the end of our Ask Dr. L.P. and Ask Jared quest segment um, for this week. So it also brings us to the end of our our show. Jared, any final thoughts? Anything before we wrap up that you want to say? Obviously, this has been so wonderful to have that's you been. here. But anything else? Any final thoughts?
1: Um I would say thank you. Like, this has been very therapeutic. Good. Maybe it was the couch. It's the couch um, and the color. Yes. <laughs> it was, it, it's always great to, I mean, just sit down and have critical conversation. I would, I would invite like anybody who's listening to like find your friends, build your support group, have conversations, like talk through things together. Mm-hmm. Um, there is so much power in yourself, also power in the collective. And I think that, you know, that's awesome when we find that together. Um, and also that always prioritize and and look out for ways to like grow yourself spiritually mm. because that is, you know, all the things that we talked about, you know, therapy, reading, all these things are like tools for your own spiritual growth. And so yeah. if you are like always aligned to that, then I don't I don't think you can go wrong.
2: Yeah,
0: I agree. I think that's probably perfect final thoughts to wrap up a conversation that, Much needed, doesn't happen too often around, yes, mental health in general, but all the things we've incorporated today around masculinity, um, pop culture, Mm -hmm. you know, just some of the ways in which a lot of times we get distracted by what's out there instead of, like you said, gathering up your friends and having conversations that um, can really make a huge difference, but also kind of finding ways to feed your soul in between those conversations. So I appreciate that and I appreciate you for sure. So, listeners, thank you guys again. Um, We have obviously much, much, much more to talk about, particularly as we enter July and think about um, Minority Mental Health Month and how we're going to keep talking about this throughout the month in more ways. Um, to address some of the topics we talked about today, but even more. So make sure that if you haven't already, and if you're listening, I'm assuming you have, um, subscribe to the podcast so that you can always be up to date on what's coming up next. Um, And if you haven't already on social media, make sure that you have liked follow, subscribe, all of that. Um, And if you have more questions, even if those are questions for Jared based on things he said, I promise I will get them to him and answer them um, from his response on the next episode. So please send them in. You can submit those on the website um, under the Ask Dr. LP um, submission page. And we hope that you will tune in next week. And we'll be right back here on the Emerald Couch. Later. Bye.